What gives me hope is the fact that people are getting involved with climate action, not just politicians and businesses. There's a strong show of human demand for change, and that's what we've always needed. Hello, and welcome to On The Edge, a podcast about making unexpected connections everywhere and anywhere. My name is Roland Howard, and in each episode, we speak with someone who's making sense of our increasingly connected world. In this conversation, I connected with Gurjeet Singh Lali. He's one of the best connected people I know in Glasgow and Scotland, and with the eyes of the world on the city right now, due to the United Nations COP26 Climate Change Conference, I thought it would be a good idea to catch up with him on what was a very busy day yesterday in between meetings in a cafe in Finiston, a short distance from the main summit event. Born in England, raised in Scotland, educated in Sweden, having lived in Mexico and the Middle East, his wife is from Hong Kong and his parents are from India. Khajiit has been back in Glasgow for over a decade and since 2010 was the founding curator of TEDx Glasgow which has now had many events with over 15 million views and 56,000 participants. It really is one of the most inspiring events that I've been to in recent years and have been proud to be working in partnership with them. Gajit's also winner of the Businessman of the Year Awards at the Scottish Asian Business Awards and founder of several companies. So with everything else going on in the city right now, I asked him, how does it feel to be in and from Glasgow right now? Enjoy. Very proud. It's amazing. Like the feedback we've been getting from people in the city, they just can't believe how hospitable, how open, friendly, funny people from Glasgow are. And okay, it's a gritty city. It's pretty industrial. It's got a huge uh, history of slaves and uh, tobacco and opium and shipbuilding, of course. You can see those layers of wealth throughout the city. But you know, the grey and the grit also bring out the best in people. So the people are down to earth, they're very friendly, they're very open, they're very honest, they don't have anything to lose, you know, kind of like mixed society, of course, like all cities, but um, Glasgow's known for its people. So why do you think that Glasgow and, and Scotland as a country more generally is a good place or the right place to be hosting this COP summit right now? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And uh, I think Glasgow is actually hosting COP because it's a very smart move by the British government to give something back to Glasgow to say, we, we care about you, Scotland. But the UN deciding that it would come to Glasgow, I think it was a shortlist of a variety of countries and probably other ones are just too complex. And fortunately, Glasgow are delivering many global events recently, such as the Commonwealth Games. You know, we do have infrastructure in place. We're not too big and we're not too small. Um, that's why I think the decision was made here. But the next COP is going to be in Egypt, COP27. So I think they're doing a little bit of the kind of westernized developed countries and then they'll do a little bit of the global south. So I don't know if you saw the Prime Minister of Barbados speaking yesterday, Mia Motley, but she gave a great talk asking when will leaders lead. Very, very, uh, very direct, very articulate. Um, how uh, you've obviously got leaders from Barbados and all over the world, Egypt, I'm sure, as well. 
um, in in the city. How do you have any reflections so far on how we can ensure a sort of just and fair transition? So it's not just the wealthy countries that benefit from the investment and the transition and the change that needs to happen in response to the climate. Yeah, it all comes back to finance, Roland. That's what we're hearing over and over again. Um, you know, the, there's like a hundred billion that's required for this transition. And there's other huge numbers getting thrown around, but I think it's less so what the cost of the transition will be and more so what will be the cost if we don't transition. You know, the flooding that we've seen in Europe, the heat waves that we've seen in America, the fires that we've seen in Australia. What is the cost of inaction versus the cost of action? So the, the way that they're pitching it over here is we need to invest with some long-term structural plans in place whether that's World Bank offering financing or, you know, whichever institution. And all countries need financial support. You know, we've seen various stimuluses, such as the one in America, you know, was it 5 trillion, then 9 trillion? You know, so if we can bail out banks, then let's bail out humanity. Yeah. So you've been running around the city talking to loads of people. I think of you as the most connected man in Glasgow. You may not describe yourself like that, but that's certainly how I perceive you. Having run TEDx, what what have you seen so far in the last week or in, in the last few days in Glasgow that gives you hope for the future, gives you hope that we can actually tackle this climate emergency? Who or what has inspired you so far? What gives me hope is the fact that people are getting involved with climate action, not just politicians and businesses. There's a strong show of human demand for change, and that's what we've always needed. We need to have this force a tipping point of the world's population saying and holding accountable those people in power because ultimately the power lies with the individual human being your consumer decisions your political decisions your investment decisions it's in your hands and finally the penny is dropping whether it's shareholder activism employee activism whether it's people from extinction rebellion on the streets whether it's Greta Thunberg Finally, the penny's dropping that we can make change. You know, after we've been told we can't do anything, that the corporate system can never be changed. Fascinating thing I heard the other day was somebody said, 100 years ago, we didn't have cars. 200 years ago, we didn't have plastic. So these recent inventions and innovations, we can reverse. It is possible, but it will require the tipping point of the world's population saying to their local leaders, we will not elect you unless you deliver. Saying to businesses, we will not purchase from you unless you change we need to feel that we have the power and we're seeing that more and more in glasgow and that's giving me hope role role models or leaders that i've seen it's really the people again because i've spoken to chairmen and chief execs and you know uh, mayors and well apart from the mayors they're amazing politicians and you know loads of people i've spoken to on top of the pyramid each sector and they just give you the pr waffle you know, so for me, I don't really see substance in that. I've not seen it since the 1960s, since we started becoming more and more aware of climate change. The last 61 years, they've done nothing. So why should I trust them now? So for me, the, 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 the role models for me are the young people that I've been bumping into that are coming up here. They're dedicating time. They're spending their own money. They're out there, not only marching, but they're out there getting into the blue zone, getting into the green zone, talking to the people that run big companies or run governments, 
and discussing with them how change can take place. So there's two types of activism I'm seeing. One on the street, which is getting the world's attention and educating people, and then one in the boardroom. Absolutely. So have you been getting out and uh, with the activists in the, in the parks and the streets and talking to people from around the world who are putting our leaders under pressure in the city right now? So Roland, uh, cops only for 11 days. And to be honest with you, it's the first three days that you'll get world leaders or you'll get uh, leaders of organizations present. Then it goes into the deeper negotiations and it's the last one or two days when things are announced. So based on that, we've focused on leaders the first few days while they're still in town so that we can hold them accountable to the promises that they will make when we interview them. And then we'll diversify that over the next few days to get a broader sense of society and sentiment from people that are on the front line. And you've also got to remember there's 10,000 police officers in Glasgow. So even the protesters, it's hard for us to get access to them uh, because a lot of the time they're kettled in or a lot of the time they're, they're zoned into an area. And, you know, for us to get access to that is a bit more complex. So there, there's, there's several reasons, um, and there haven't been as many marches as we were expecting. Uh, we haven't seen that presence that we've seen in London and other countries around the world, for example, from Extinction Rebellion yet. And I think it is because of the, the force, you know, 10,000 police officers in a city of a million people in a you know, district of two or three miles, Chinook helicopters, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like an army has landed in Glasgow. So I think the protesters and the activists are trying to be smart in how they approach this, less on the street and more using different methods. Well, I'm going to be in Glasgow tomorrow, as you know, and I'm sort of excited to feel the energy in the city and connect with people and see that firsthand. But I wonder, I know we haven't got too long today, but you mentioned briefly earlier the, the Climate Action Initiative that we've been working together on. I just wonder if you could say a bit more about what that is and why you think it's kind of important to work collectively and, and cross-sector to tackle some of these this climate emergency. Yeah, so the Climate Action Initiative is an approach to dealing with complex climate opportunities. And therefore, a lot of the, the partners that we work with at TEDx Glasgow, they normally work within the organization or within the sector. So it's a very closed, small circle peer group. And what we've tried to do is address this complex climate opportunity from a perspective of we need government involved, we need finance involved, we need transport involved, we need food involved. So let's bring all of them around the table and let's have a collective intelligence opportunity where we can share best practices for accelerating to net zero to get that transition kicked into place. So to do that, these complex opportunities need to have stakeholders from across society as part of the solution. And that's the mission of the Climate Action Initiative. But you can, you can imagine, you know, the first few months of that is us trying to get people to trust each other, build a relationship with each other. Then the next few months is trying to understand what is the most urgent thing that we can solve. And then the next few months is, well, can you share your IP or your best practices on that solution with others that don't, aren't necessarily competition, but they're not going to pay you for your, you know, your, using your patents. Um, so it's about climate action is not, something that we should be competing on. It's something that we should be collaborating on. And with Liminal, 
And with our partners, that's what we're trying to drive with that initiative. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, transcending national competitive boundaries or corporate competitive differences. It's too big an opportunity, too big a challenge for, for any single organization. How is the, what that initiative different to what you've done before, either with TEDx or, or outside of uh, curating the TEDx events and, and community around that? How, how and why do you think it's different this year in terms of bringing people together? Yeah, normally, you know, the TED stage is for sharing ideas and TEDx is generally for sharing ideas as well. But we've always, last decade, been on a mission of ideas worth doing. But it's difficult to, to participate in every idea that we share. We've shared over 146 ideas. So being a catalyst and convener is good. But when it comes to the climate emergency, it's not good enough. So fortunately, we had some visionaries in our team that realized that there is a climate emergency and we need to do something now. Therefore, instead of just having an annual one-off event uh, with huge global reach, we decided that it would be much better having continuous engagement throughout the year and really drive the sustainable development goal around climate action. But to get there, it took us two years of research. You know, we really had to get ahead around what the hell is climate change? What is adaptation? What is resilience? What is just transition? What is well-being economy? And then what is the bottleneck? What's the elephant in the room? Why aren't people doing it already? Why aren't organizations doing it? Why aren't policymakers doing it? And it really does come right back to that word finance. You know, finance controls the world. It really does. And those that control the finance, control the politicians, control the media, control what you read, your understanding of climate, you know, they'll tell you to become vegan. They won't, they won't tell you to change your pension investment. They'll tell you to ride a bicycle. Well, they won't tell you to change your energy provider. You know, and these two changes, energy provider and pension, will reduce your carbon footprint 30 times more than you going vegan. They'll tell you about changing your behavior because that's something that you'll resist and fight against. They won't tell you that if you change companies, you can actually make a huge difference. And that's the kind of enlightenment that we want to share with others. So this emergency, we don't want to be just a catalyst and convener. We also want to be part of it and play our part as much as we can. Yeah, it's been brilliant working with you so far. There's still a huge amount still to do. I'm really inspired and hopeful about some of the connections that are being made and the way that we're working. So, so yeah, thank you for instigating that. It's really, really fantastic. Thanks, Roland. And I, I, I only take credit when the things work. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, but I have to be uh, very honest with you that this is not my work. This is the work of an incredible team that are behind TEDx Glasgow. Um, there's our head of impact, who's now become our head of strategy, um, who is uh, an expert in data analytics and has been looking at SDGs for a long time and finally convinced us that that is a priority that we should be focusing on. You know, there's our head of comms, our head of partnerships, there's Liminal, it's a clan of amazing experts that are donating their time, experience and expertise to drive this initiative. I'm just uh, every now and again spokesperson for them. And that's quite rare nowadays, but it's an incredible group of people that we work with at TEDx Glasgow. 
at that liminal and then also the the broader tedx community around the world are some incredibly dedicated philanthropic individuals so it's it's merit to them all well that's fair yeah i totally agree i know i think almost all of the people that you're referring to and it's a fantastic team you're very humble you're too humble though Gigi, and i like that about you but you're you're very positive and enthusiastic but you also make me and others around you work harder uh, and that's quite a skill to do both of those things either either you crack the whip or, or you're a cheerleader and it's hard to get that balance right. So I don't know where you learn how to do that, but it's a real skill. Uh, and I don't think this community would have come together in the way that it has. Of course, it's a team effort, absolutely. But um, it's also down to your your energy and your attitude. So, uh, But uh, I, I like the humility and I like the way that you go about that. Um, so it's great to be part of that. So I'm going to be, as I mentioned, I'm going to be up in Glasgow tomorrow um, for a few days. And I'm excited about that. There's still six or seven days left of COP, but then the police and the world leaders and the businesses and, and the protesters are, are going to go home pretty soon. Uh, what do we do after COP is out of the way? What, what are your thoughts? What are your plans? How do, we, how do we seize this energy and this initiative and this momentum that is clearly in and around the city and in and around this issue globally as well right now and make sure that it's not just um, a blip, but actually a transformative moment, make or break, like you say. Well, Roland, there's people that have been involved with climate action since the 60s, you know, and they're probably turning 80, 85 years old and they're still out marching in the streets. So I think uh, we have to take those role models in our lives and take the energy from them as our inspiration to drive us forward. This is not a sprint at all. It's going to take two or three generations to fix and we owe it to the next generation and the generation after that to start making the moves in the right directions. For too long, we've taken the opportunity of living in a society where a few get rich and everybody else goes from middle class to poor. So it's time to change the dynamics. And it can, it can be done in such a beautiful way. I mean, clean air, who doesn't want that? Healthy local food, who doesn't want that? You know, free electricity, hello. You know, <laughs> we could be living on a planet that is full of abundance, but we need to be the advocates. We need to get out there. We need to vote with our money and vote with our feet. Hopefully in this lifetime, we will enjoy a life with less of these pollution-related illnesses, um, less of these climatic catastrophes. You know, the future really is in our hands and we are empowered to make that change now. Thank you, Gajit. It was great to be able to catch up. I really liked what he said about how important it is to work collectively and cross-sector on things like the Climate Action Initiative to navigate our way towards a net zero future. And in particular, what he said about the need to ensure a just transition for all and that it's make or break. So we really need to act now. So that's it for today. A shorter episode than usual. If you want to find out a bit more about Gajit or some of the things he mentioned, please check out the links in the show description. This podcast was brought to you by Liminal, a collective intelligence community. This podcast and all of our work wouldn't be possible without 
all of our community members, clients, partners, and patrons. So thank you to you all. If you want to find out a bit more about us, check out www.weareliminal.co. Please, can you like and subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might like it? Until next time, please keep on connecting people and ideas. If you do, you never know what might happen. Thank you and goodbye. Mm.